Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. It, oh, man. The Chargers are such a weird team. I have five YouTube subscribers and I've never posted a video. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> Congrats, dude. Thanks. Subscribe to Lafay. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show. The third showdown edition of the week. Man, what a lovely time to be alive. I mean, it's, it's really not. I guess it's beauty's in the eye of the beholder. But for those of us football fans, we had Monday night doubleheader, Tuesday night football, and now Thursday night football. So, man, we don't even have to worry about having much of a respite as we get closer to Sunday. And then, guess what? We got Saturday night football next week. And then the week after that, we got Christmas Day football on Friday, five Christmas Day basketball games, Saturday football, three games, Sunday football. Matt, the end of the season, it's going to be fun. This is the home stretch, and uh, we're in the thick of it. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what. Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, and I know it's a tough time for a lot of people out there, but the toughest time in my life was probably when we had zero sports to watch, so it is just like pure euphoria to me that we get football almost every single day, so I'm, I'm a very happy person here, even in these, these dark times, just having sports to watch is such a joy in my life. Better believe it, and you got, you got yourself a little girlfriend now, huh? So, <laughs> As our producer might say. <laughs> Jordan Klein producing the show. We got the new overlays up today, man. They look good. I'm digging it. I got some back pain, so I'm wiggling around. I had a doubleheader hockey game, and I feel like I'm just getting old, mad, and nothing works anymore. Well, not everything, but you know, not everything works as well as it used to be when it comes to being in shape. I'm Dave Lochran. Follow me on the Twitter machine at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D, and Matt Gajeski at Matt underscore Gajeski, and uh, Jordan Klein in a hotel room behind the scenes producing this show, making things look pretty. We're happy to have all of you guys with us. Hit that thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so yet. That's the most important thing. If you like what we do, if along the way we helped you, maybe win some money, maybe change your approach when it comes to DFS, subscribe to the channel so then you show, we show up in the browse feature. We show up on the homepage. You see when we're live in the recommended feed, all of that great stuff. It's free and we'll gladly refund your misery. If you hate it, just click unsubscribe. But I don't think you'll want to. And if you want to listen in podcast form, everything we've got is available on podcast platforms, you name it, uh, Apple iPods or podcasts, whatever it is to Spotify, you name it, they're there. So let's jump into it, Matt. We got a lot to get into with only one game, but a lot of uncertainty in this one. I don't know if there's as many 
you know, lock it up type options. There's certainly no Lamar Jackson like there was on Tuesday. You've got a 45 and a half point total between the Rams at home against the Patriots. Rams opened at six point favorites. Now they're laying four and a half. The total opened at 45 and a half. It's down to 44 and a half. Uh, and both of these teams are coming off wins where they put up a lot of points. 45 nothing defeat uh, with the Patriots beating the piss out of the LA Chargers last week. And then the Rams dropping 38 against the um, Arizona Cardinals while Jared Goff threw for only one touchdown on the day. What are you thinking here, how this game plays out if we have to tell ourselves a story? Yeah, I'm interested, you know, all the line movement. You and I were talking pre-show asking if this is maybe an overreaction to that game. A lot of the Patriots' success came through special teams. How much? How many? You told me the total yards that New England. Two hundred ninety-one total yards, and they scored forty-five points. Yeah. So my first inclination was potentially this may be an overreaction. Of course, uh, the Rams haven't exactly been the best team in football either this year. I do like that they're at home. I do like that the lines moving against them. And my first inclination is to back them in the betting markets. Yeah, it's hard not to. I mean. It, it depends what you're getting. If, if it was earlier in the week, you know, six points, I think six points is still a lot for a Bill Belichick coach team. I would have probably taken the points there, but now you're at four and a half. And I understand neither are key numbers, but when I look at this one, it's more or less a line that I don't feel comfortable with. Uh, and if there, there, there are going to be games where there's just no value there, and maybe I'm wrong, Matt, but I don't think either side screams bet me right now, at least not on game day. I thought the same thing. I don't have a bet in this game at this point. Neither do I. But we are playing DFS, and that's what we're here to talk about. We'll kick it off with the New England Patriots. They are, again, four-and-a-half-point road dogs. They're six-and-six six now. They, um, they're playing better football, but much of that is not because Cam Newton is slinging it all over the place. Cam Newton with that abdomen and abdominal injury is questionable, but there's no reason to believe he's not going to play. He threw for, this is amazing, Matt. He threw for uh, 69 yards last game. They scored 45 points. He rushed for 48 yards. He had just over a hundred total yards, 117, but he had two rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown the week before that 84 passing yards. Uh, and then he had a big one against Houston, 365, but 118, 274, 174, 98. Uh, he's been under 200 yards in all but three games this season, and he's gone for less than 100 yards passing three times on the year and each of his last two games. How do we break this down knowing that the Rams' secondary is really their strong suit in the defense? They do have a solid pass rush and might be able to get to him and throw him off. What do you anticipate seeing from Cam Newton tonight? And how do you anticipate them running this offense, trying to put some points on the board? I think they try to basically embrace the run, which is they've been a run first team throughout a majority of the season. Their pass rate is one of the lowest in the NFL, only passing the ball right around 49% of the time. It's in the bottom five. They're also a slow offense. So they're trying to slow games down, play their style of football. And interestingly, that's what the Rams try to do when they are leading in games as well. But because of that, I think we see another depressed play volume attempt from the, the, the New England Patriots offense, probably not a, pat, a lot of pass attempts from Cam Newton and his real value comes as a rusher. So 
if you're looking at ownership right now, you can find it at awesome.com. We've got fantastic ownership projections. I saw someone the other day say, how do you, it was a YouTube comment, by the way, comment uh, after the show, if you're watching it after we went live uh, and, and it's on repeat, hit us with a comment. I see all of them and I try and respond to all of them as well. He said, how do you guys have ownership? Are you getting inside information? No, there's no inside information. Uh, Alex Baker, awesome himself, number one DFS player, is just uh, a lot smarter than us. And he has built a model to project for ownership using historical data and a whole lot of other things, fantasy points, you name it. I couldn't tell you how it's done. I have a, a somewhat of an idea, but I know that they're projections. We're not, nobody, you, you couldn't get inside information on it anyway, Matt, because nobody knows what the line, nobody knows what the ownership is until it locks. And a lot of people aren't putting their lineups in until like 10 minutes before it locks anyway. So I just, I probably was an unnecessary disclaimer, but I thought I would let you know why we use ownership projections and why they're so valuable and why it's not inside information. Cam Newton at the current time though, 70% projected ownership, 18.9% captain spot ownership. That puts him second behind Jared Goff in both of those categories. Yeah, I think this actually surprised me a little bit. And it's not like we're talking about big differences in ownership between Newton and Goff. They're both very owned. But I did think Newton would be the more owned quarterback just based on his rushing equity. And he comes in a little bit cheaper than Jared Goff. I think this might come down to some stack equity and, you know, the Rams overall having more just skill position players that people know and they want to roster. So maybe that's leading people to more golf. But ultimately, I think the ownership is pretty efficient at the quarterback position. This is a situation where I would prefer to play one of them in the flex rather than the captain. And particularly Jared Goff, because most of his upside is going to come as a passer with a bonus structure on DraftKings specifically. There's a decent chance that one of the receivers through whether it's a 100 yard bonus or particularly Robert Woods in Cooper Cup, who rack up a lot of raw catches, that PPR bonus, I think there's a decent chance one of them could outscore Goff in the event of a Rams explosion. Okay. The pass catchers for the New England Patriots uh, have been giving us fits essentially all season long. Jacoby Myers did us well in that showdown slate where you know there wasn't a whole lot to choose from. But now, over his last three games, he's been held under 60 yards and scoreless in all of them. Sorry, his past four games, he's been held under 60 yards and scoreless in all of them. Meanwhile, Demir Bird had a big game or two there that he mixed in along the way, but you still have very little confidence that he's going to be able to get it done. However, uh, he has he is someone in this offense, Matt, that is at least getting some attention, while Nikhil Harry last week scored the only passing touchdown but was or receiving touchdown, but was targeted only three times on the day. And when you look at snap counts for this team, well, it makes it even worse because there's real no differentiator here. Demir Bird and Jacoby Myers playing very similar snaps. Nikhil Harry about around 50% over his last two games. And then you're essentially hope, looking at, I don't know, Dante Moncrief played 22% of snaps, but who the hell do you go to here in such a low passing volume offense against a good secondary? I think if you're playing a Patriots receiver, you try to play the ones on the field the most. So you poked an immediate hole in Nikhil Harry. He only played 34 snaps compared to 52 for Demir Bird. He actually played fewer snaps than Demir Bird just straight up, and he comes in more expensive than Bird. So I don't really see that being a real conversation point. I think you just played Demir Bird, unless you're just taking the raw 
I'm going to play Nikhil Harry because he's not going to be his own. That's the only real argument I think you can make for playing Nikhil Harry. Otherwise, Demir Bird, more targets, more routes. He's just the better straight up play among the punts. Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird becomes a more interesting conversation because they are playing a similar role. Bill Belichick is famous for game planning. And we remember the week where Jacoby Myers was like extremely owned because he had like a 12 target week. And then he just wasn't a part of the game plan the subsequent week. And he was extremely owned. You remember that game? Who, Myers? Yeah, Myers. Maybe yeah, like, and the next game, Demir Bird went off. Yeah, so I don't think there's a huge difference between those two. Bill Belichick is going to do game plan specific things that you and I can't possibly predict. So with a similar role between Myers and Bird, and like in the captain slot, it's a 9K price difference. If you don't have the salary to get to Jacoby Myers, I'm just comfortable playing Demir Bird. So am I. Uh, did you say it's a 9K difference? In the captain slot. Really? Yeah, Jacoby okay. Myers 10.2, Demir Bird 1.2. Well, then can we not make an objective or come to an objective conclusion that Demir Bird is very underpriced given his snap count and the fact that in three of his last four games, he's seen at least seven targets despite not having big games in all of them? His price is egregious. I think if you're playing cash, you just lock him in. Right. How could like you he's, not? He's the that, avenue to getting both quarterbacks. That is so strange to me that Demir Bird would be that much cheaper than Jacoby Meyer. Like, is Jacoby Myers a better wide receiver? Very likely. Yeah, probably. How much do we know about him at this rate? I don't know. But uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I had... I had made some lineups and we're going to make a lineup at the end of the show. So hopefully you guys will stick around for that. I know a lot of you guys enjoy that segment where we kind of try and hash everything out. I had made some, but I didn't put the pieces together that he was nine K cheaper in the captain spot. That's absurd. And granted, it's not saying, Oh, you got to play him in the captain spot. Even if you play Demir bird is a utility player, Matt, um, it's going to open so much up anyway. Yeah, Absolutely. I don't have the difference in front of me in utility, but if you, it's 9K in the captain, it's probably going to be around $6,000 difference. Yeah, 6K in the utility slot. That's significant too. And it's just going to afford you better overall pieces in your lineup. Maybe you can jam in both signal callers or get that extra Rams receiver like Cooper Cup that you want in your lineup. So I'm going to be playing a lot of Jameer Bird, especially in low risk contests. I think the real conversation becomes in your Millie Maker type stuff, what you want to do. Wow. Running game for the Patriots has been one that is, again, had us scratching our heads because more than anything, Damian Harris is getting the bulk of opportunities, which is great. But then Cam Newton comes in and, and vultures so much of that, so much of those opportunities uh, in goal-to-go situations, uh, inside the five, at the goal line, you name it, anything close to the end zone. Uh, Cam Newton is, is seeing those chances as we saw last week with two short runs, uh, touchdown rushes, where Damian Harris, despite 16 carries and 80 yards, averaging five yards per attempt, did not manage to get into the end zone, Matt. And now we've seen that be the case on multiple occasions this year. On 126 rushing attempts, he has only two touchdowns on the year. And that is a little bit concerning to me because it's going to be hard for a non pass catching back like Damian Harris unless he hits the 100-yard bonus to give us what we need and if he doesn't get into the end zone. I think you're right. And I think an additional problem here is Sony Michelle making his return. Mm-hmm. Sony Michelle carried it. I, so it's very hard to decipher what was game script and what was blowout in last week's game. But Sony Michelle did return to 
a fairly sizable workload. He came back, he carried 10 times and saw a target. And Damian Harris was still able to get 17 touches himself. But is this a worry for you, at least in some fashion, heading into tonight's game? Not as much as I would not, not as much as you would think. He he had one carry in the second quarter, okay? Rushed yeah. for 10 yards. And then of the what would he have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He had 10 carries on the day, right? Yep, 10 carries. Of those other nine, not a single one of them went for more than five yards. And one, two, three, four, five, six of them were in the fourth quarter. Two of them were in the third. Um, so sorry, two in the second, two in the third, and then six of them in the fourth. He even caught a pass for 23 yards in the fourth quarter, which you know shows they were just beginning to throttle this team and do whatever they needed to do. But uh, ultimately, if you're if if your bulk of your opportunities are coming in the fourth quarter, I'm not terribly concerned about it. But Sonny Michelle would run the risk of of the, the same issue here that he's not going to get any goal line work. And, you know, if he does, he better get it on the first try because otherwise he's not going to get any opportunities following that. Um, What I'll say is this, Matt, it just throws another wrench into the work. So if we were already worried about Cam and Damian Harris not getting pass catching work, now if I have to worry even to a small extent about Sonny Michelle, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, I'm with you. That was my thoughts exactly. We've seen this team embrace three backs numerous times and it's not just when they had a healthy Rex Burkhead they were using JJ Taylor to begin the year they clearly prefer committee I have no idea how much Sony Michelle factors into that I do think it's at least a little bit and like you mentioned maybe it's not enough to make you want to play Sony Michelle by himself but it could be enough to just knock down that Damian Harris projection where maybe he's not quite the value he has been in recent weeks yeah 33 percent of carries it's actually the second most he's played on the season in the five games he's been active so um I'll ask you, I would imagine the answer is a resounding no, especially at his price point, but no interest in Sonny Michelle or any other running backs on the Patriots. I think Sonny Michelle is just a contrarian type play in your large field tournaments. I'm not going to get to him in, in smaller field stuff, but you can always make the argument for someone on the field in the Millie maker situation. And then James White, I do think James White's a really interesting play. I think you're telling yourself a story with James White and that story would have to be that the Patriots get down in the game. He is their preferred pass catching back. And I think his snaps would rise if they were down in the contest. So James White is more in play to me than Sony Michelle. Okay. Anybody else for the Patriots that has any type of value on this slate? It's really tough with Demir Bird down where he is. I think that brings out a lot of the other players you might consider, like Gunnar Olszewski. He's strictly a special teams player. There's no reason to talk about Dante Moncrief when we have when we have Demir Bird at his price, the tight ends, Ryan Izzo, he played 43 snaps, but he only ran 12 routes. For reference, Dalton Keene, their rookie tight end, he played on 23 snaps, but only ran one fewer route than Izzo. So it seems like Keen is more of the pass catching tight end. Again, both of those guys are more expensive. Well, at least Izzo is more expensive than Demir Bird. So why are we even considering Izzo in this situation? I think you can just look to Demir Bird as the punt on New England and move on. Yeah. It makes sense. Look, the thing is, on a one-game slate, we have to talk about everything, and uh, it's it's very possible that someone does pop off for the Patriots on a one-game slate. Now, I think this game is likely going to be low-scoring. You would assume that both teams attempt to lean on the ground unless or on the run unless this game gets out of hand in one direction or the other. But uh, I, I, I hate doing games like this where 
we're where we're down on most players from a single team because Matt, sometimes they have to do something and, and, you know, points have to be scored. And even if points aren't scored, a lineup still has to win this. And likely it's going to have, you know, it's, it's guaranteed to have at least one, but it's likely going to have more than one from even the Patriots side. So if you were to just rank the top four guys on this Patriots team, it doesn't mean you like them, all of them, at least. How would you rank them just in terms of, of overall interest in getting them into your lineups? Yeah, so I think Demir Bird has to be number one just because of price. Like, Demir Bird is going to be the way you get to the other good plays on the slate. I don't think Demir Bird is the best raw play, but just talking about your overall lineup, Demir Bird is kind of the glue that makes everything work on the slate. From there, Cam Newton's number two. And I would say after that, it's probably Damian Harris. And then behind Damian Harris, it's really tough. I'll rank James White fourth. Okay. Uh, Antoine Murphy talking about you can't play Bird. He's uh, four or five, four to five points at over 20% ownership isn't winning you shit. Well, first of all, 20% ownership. What is his ownership at? 20, 21% ownership is not very high uh, on this slate. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's projected for the 11th most ownership on a showdown slate. So yeah, I, that doesn't bother me at all. Well, that's not high ownership. Right. Like that's, that's low ownership as a matter of fact. So I don't know if we're, we're if Demir Bird was 20% on a main slate. Yeah. Get him out of there. But 20% is nothing on a single game slate. He's 11th out of like what 20 guys that you can choose from. Okay. Yeah. I'm- I'm okay with that. What about the what about Nick Folk here? He's questionable with a back, but I'm assuming once again that he's going to play. He was questionable in each of his last five games, so uh, I'm not particularly concerned there. Is there some value in targeting a kicker in what's projected to be a low-scoring game? Yeah, absolutely. That's the environment where I would rather take kickers. If you have these high-scoring affairs, it likely means more yardage, more catches, just more raw offensive production. And that's likely going to outscore the kicker in those environments. But when you have a low scoring environment, if he hits a field goal, there's just a better chance that it outscores some of these ancillary plays. So Nick Folk, I'm, I'm not worried about the questionable tag. Like you mentioned, this is just something the Patriots do. It's kind of their, I don't know. It's a little F you to the league's injury policy. Whenever there's someone that has a practice designation or a, some sort of DMP limited practice, they're automatically questionable. They don't do doubtful. They oftentimes don't even do out. They just do questionable. And you have no idea largely whether they're actually questionable or this is just the Patriots doing what they do. Patriots defense. Yes. No, maybe so. Yeah. Fine with it for the same reason, low scoring game environment. And the thing with the Patriots defense, they would likely need to be ahead, but the Rams are very sensitive to game script. They're one of the pass heaviest teams when they're losing. And we saw this last year, Jared Goff tied for the league lead in pass attempts. If the Patriots are up in the game, it's going to be a lot of opportunities for their defense to make plays. Yeah, and you know, just looking at this here, the Patriots, while they've had some some rough games, they've got they're tied for the second most interceptions on the season. They have 14 interceptions. That's a very solid number. Uh and they have what four touchdowns? They have four defensive touchdowns in some form or fashion. This is always a team that can put up big numbers. We saw last week, if you didn't have the Patriots defense, you know. Not to say you were in trouble because they were very low owned, but 
31 DraftKings points. They're a far cry from what they were last season. But ultimately, I don't try and project whether they're going to score or whether they're going to get an in or whether they're going to recover a fumble for a touchdown or a pick six. At this rate, it doesn't matter. But I think despite them not being nearly as good as they were last year, they're still generating turnovers. And that's a good thing to know. If you can generate turnovers, um, there's opportunity for big points, especially on a showdown slate. So we'll turn the page over to the Rams. Before we do, for one single dollar, you can see it at the bottom, you can get the NBA Weekly Pass using the promo code CARUSO, C-A-R-U-S-O. I'm assuming most of you guys know why we're using that. Uh, If not, it doesn't matter. Just use that promo code CARUSO at checkout. It will get you a $1 weekly pass. But here's the great part. It'll get you all of our preseason content and the first week of NBA Platinum. All of our NBA content, ownerships, projections, the uh, Boomer Bust tool, the lineup builder, everything for NBA through the first week of the regular season. Even if you sign up now, is one single dollar using the promo code Caruso. There's legitimately no reason not to use this promo. One dollar will get you everything for NBA to kick off the season and the uh, preseason content. What more can I say? You see it all on the screen there. Everything. Express features, lineup builder, optimal lineup probability, prop betting tool, the daily strategy. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC strategies um ownership fantasy point projections we'll see you over there no reason uh awesome.com slash join it check out use that promo code caruso and check out the giveaway we've got going on over at twitter today if you go to awesome underscore com on the twitters you will see it just follow the directions and win some win yourself win yourself a platinum what is it what's today's giveaway um cam newton or jared Goff throws for more yards one random winner is going to be selected among the guesses. You'll win a free year of Awesome O Plus NFL. So not just like the final years of this, but you could use it for the entirety of next season. Just follow the rules over at Twitter uh, and follow Matt and myself while you're at it. All right, Matt, Rams, Jared Goff getting the most ownership of anybody here. At 73% captain or 73.6% overall ownership and 21.7% captain, 51.9 in the utility. Is, is this one where we just have to bite the bullet and say, hey, Jared Goff's still not a great quarterback, but one of the best options, maybe the best option on this slate? Yeah, I think in low-risk contest cash games, you just play Jared Goff. I think there's really interesting ways you can get contrarian in your large field tournaments. The Rams, similar to the New England Patriots, they have a very high run rate, particularly when they're in neutral 
and positive game script. So if you think the Rams get out ahead in this game, maybe you ride the runners and you could take a contrarian approach by fading Jared Goff. Maybe that also gets you off to mere bird, play some of the runners and some players in the intermediate price range. And I think it'll be very different just because you did that. But like you mentioned in the question, Jared Goff still projects to be one of the best plays on the slate from a raw projection standpoint. We have the Demir Bird play to access both Goff and Newton. So in low risk, small field contests, I'll be playing a lot of Jared Goff. Who do you pair Jared Goff with in a, in, on a team that has myriad options to choose from, right? Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, both of them are there. Josh Reynolds was seeing an abundance of work for a stretch there, Matt, right? Eight targets, nine targets, 10 targets. Of course, many of these, not many of them, uh, a couple of them came in games where Jared Goff was actually throwing at a high clip. And then he even followed it up with back-to-back six target games. So he went five straight games with six plus targets, which as a number three option is not that bad, especially on a team that has run the ball a lot more than they did last season when Jared Goff finished with more passing attempts than any other quarterback. Well, he tied with Jameis Winston. But last week, Josh Reynolds with only one single target, a reception for 21 yards. Um, this is when things begin to get a little bit dicey. Van Jefferson in that game had five targets and, of course, caught his only target against Tampa Bay the week prior for a touchdown, which really screwed many of us. So I don't know. What, the, I'll turn it over to you. The passing game here is, is a little bit difficult to predict, but we can – on a week-to-week basis, generally assume that Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are going to be the guys. Between them, I prefer Robert Woods a little bit. It is the tiniest of hairs we are splitting, but the Rams, as we've seen numerous times this year, they're very volatile, call Sean McVay, whimsical, call him whatever you want, but they rotate a lot between 11 personnel. Sometimes they have 12 personnel packages when they have a healthy Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby that they use a lot more. And when they've done this, Cooper Cup has left the field more than Robert Woods. That is, again, just the tiniest of hairs we're splitting. But if you need to pick one, I think Robert Woods projects just a little bit better. He's also the target leader over their last three games, seeing a decent amount more targets than Cooper Cup. Woods' last three games, he has 15, 12, and 11 targets. Now, that's not to say Cooper Cup's a bad play. He's been very targeted himself and his 24.5% target share paces Robert Woods over the course of the season. I don't have a strong preference between them. As far as the ancillary pass catchers, I, was it Sean McVay just like, I'm going to play my rookies last week? It was Akers played season high. Josh ah. Reynolds ends up on the bench for Van Jefferson. They both played about 50% of the snaps. Like Sean McVay is like, all right, it's, it's week 13. Time to get the rookies involved. It's a great question. I wish I could have it. I wish I had an answer to it, but I don't. So... I, do, my original thinking with Cam Akers, and we'll get there in a minute, was just that he is the, the better overall back, and we're going to begin to see that. And, you know, as they make a playoff push here, Sean McVay is going to start to integrate him more into the offense, which we saw. But with Van Jefferson getting the, the opportunities ahead of Josh Reynolds, I was a little bit surprised by that, you know, especially given that each week you're going to see snap counts for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup relatively high. Last week they were, what, 75 and 65% respectively, which is two of the lowest numbers we've seen on them all season long. But Van Jefferson and Josh Reynolds split it down the middle, 38 to 40, whereas Jefferson played, what, four combined snaps in the previous two games? Yeah, it was bad. He was essentially like a non-factor bench player, And it was interesting because they'd split time early in the year. And then it seemed that Reynolds had won that competition pretty handily. And then 
after the last week, they just completely changed. And this is something Sean McVay has a history of doing. He does it with his running backs, typically not at wide receiver, but it leaked into the wide receiver room a little bit last week. It certainly did. And I think really at this point, you're going to be throwing darts no matter what. Uh, the talk about Stefan Gilmore, yeah, he hasn't had a particularly good season, Matt, but the there is a good secondary for the New England Patriots, or at least it should be a good secondary for the New England Patriots, right? I mean, Stefan Gilmore, uh, Jonathan Jones, J.C. Jackson, these are guys that more that more often than not are considered good players, good corners. Does does this factor in at all to your decision making? I know you said it didn't the other day when we were talking about Marlon Humphrey and company with uh, Dallas receivers against Baltimore. It's not a huge factor. It's more just a tiebreaker than everything. Like the first thing in my process isn't to go to the wide receiver cornerback matchup and be like, all right, who's who's going against Gilmore? Let's fade him. It's more so if I see ownership being really condensed on a player, then maybe it's something I'll use to break the tie. Like you mentioned, it's not like I, I do think I said Gilmore has been hasn't played up to the, like the same caliber this year that he did last year. And that's true. But I agree with you that he's not the only good corner in New England. You know, like Cooper Cup is going to draw a tough matchup. They have a very good secondary overall. So I, I don't think using that as a tiebreaker in this situation is going to make a big difference to me. I'll look more to the target volume between the receivers. What about someone like Tyler Higby, who caught the only pass or receiving touchdown on the Ram side of the ball last week, targeted six times. He had four for 24 and a touchdown. But if you want to talk about a wildly underwhelming season, Matt, look no further than Tyler Higby. He had that one blow up game against the Eagles where he caught three touchdowns on only five targets, right? Outside of that, he's had single digit fantasy points in weeks one, two, four, five, six, eight, 10, 11, 12, and then 13, he had 12. He has only two games where he has gone over 10 fantasy points and only one north of 12 where he had that game against Philly. It's been a hugely, hugely disappointing campaign for Tyler Higby. Uh, and I'm actually surprised that he's even 5,000 in the utility spot. Based on production, he should actually be cheaper than that. Yeah, it's uh, football's a game of small samples. And last year, heading into 2020, I think people ignored the large sample of Tyler Higbee's career as being mainly a blocker and a mediocre receiving tight end. And they extrapolated four games where Gerald Everett wasn't a part of the offense. Exactly. This is the yep. new Tyler Higbee. And it turns out it's not. And now moving forward to this week against the Patriots, not only is Tyler Higby a bit overpriced, he is more expensive than his counterpart, Gerald Everett. He is carrying more ownership than his counterpart, Gerald Everett. And these two ran the exact same number of routes down to the individual route. I will take Jared Everett in that situation every time. What's the price difference for 1600 It's not drastic, but it's unless you just have like... I would take it. Yeah. I, I have no reason not to to take that those savings there and, and free up something elsewhere that actually makes a difference. There's no discernible difference between these two guys this season. There really isn't. Uh, they both have four red zone targets on the year. Again, two of Higby's came in week two against the Eagles with the three touchdowns. They're not getting a lot of opportunity to, to score and they're not getting a lot of opportunities to produce. So if I'm going to go to one of them, you're right. I'll take the savings on Gerald Everett because what the hell is the difference? There really isn't. 
Uh, snap count wise, it's 84% last week. Higby, 72% Gerald Everett. It's just, they're, they're too close. And neither of them are doing much to begin with. Let's talk about the run game. Uh, unless there's anything else here that you want to hit on from the pass catchers. I think we got it all. All right. So the run game, it was, it was great to see Cam Akers last week. Sean McVay finally gave him the, the keys to the, to the operation, to the, to the vehicle. What is it? He gave him the keys to the, I don't what know, is it? the car. It's, it's not the car. Though. I don't know. <laughs> he gave him the keys. How about that? The keys can be to whatever you want. All Did right? he get the city key or the town key, whatever that is? Key to the city. Yeah. I don't, he, he, he's driving the, uh, he's driving the backfield. Cause he's he got should the get the keys to the city after what he's had to go through in college and now in LA. <laughs> 21 for 72 and a touchdown. I was so happy to see that he even caught a pass for a nice 22 yard catch and run. Uh, I liked them last week, but I do have some concerns this week only because I have no idea what McVay is going to do. Now, my assumption last week was, Hey, this could be the week that Sean, and I talked about it throughout the week. This could be the week that Sean McVay um, gives Cam Akers the keys to the city. And, <laughs> and he did. And it worked. And he had eight or nine looks in the red zone that game. I can't remember the exact number. And he scored. And we were happy. I think the, the likelihood, it, there's a higher likelihood that that happens again today. But it's always difficult to predict how it's going to shake out. So do I like Cam Akers? Yes. Am I going to have some Cam Akers? Yes. Am I also going to find ways to be different on this slate? Yes. And you know, every time the Rams have played on primetime this year, I've been like, well, can we consider Cam Akers at 1100? Because maybe this is the game. And then you began to see that trajectory move in the direction we wanted it to over a three-game stretch prior to last week. And finally, boom, we got what we needed. But it's always a question mark with McVay. I'm leaning on the side of, yes, he's going to keep getting the lion's share of work, but there's always that thought in the back of your head that anything could happen on a slate like this. I echo your sentiments exactly. I think Cam Akers is the best back in this offense. People like to think of him as an early down back, too. I don't think that's necessarily true. He was a very, very good pass catcher at Florida State. I do think it is in his range of outcomes to see more work as a pass catcher, too. The volume's fantastic to Cam Akers. And the one thing I want to point out with him is a close game they played last week. Like Cam Akers wasn't, he wasn't getting the Sony Michelle treatment where most of this came in garbage time. It was a close week. He was involved throughout. And I think that just gives more confidence to him as the running back moving forward. And ownership is always going to play a big role. Akers, 36%. Um, there's no doubt people are looking at that last performance and saying, hey, got to go with it. This is the time. Um, but ultimately, it's really difficult to say, Matt. So I still like him, uh, and I don't think that ownership's absurd. You know, on a running back, it's not crazy. 5% captain spot ownership. Maybe the, maybe the difference, if you want to get different with Cam Akers, is plug him into the captain spot, Matt. Hope he gets another 20 carries in a low-scoring game. I think that's a pretty good strategy, too. Again, in showdown, trying to tell yourself some sort of game script story. We know the Rams want to run the ball when they're ahead. If the Rams get ahead in this game, this could be a situation where you play a lineup that maybe has Cam Akers in the captain. And then on the other side, you're playing some low dot receivers with Cam Newton, like James White and Demir Bird probably is in that lineup either way. But I think that is a strategy you could use on this particular shutdown slate. And it's not even that crazy. What are, 
you know, would you be surprised if the Rams got ahead and you see Cam Akers with another 17 to 20 touch game? No, no. And they're favored too. So when I look at our ownership projections and I see that Cam Akers and Damian Harris, despite Harris being $800 more expensive, are separated by about one and a half percent in overall ownership and only 1% in captain spot ownership. To me, give me the guy that actually has significantly higher touchdown equity, number one, uh, and give me the guy who, yes, while there are other mouths to feed in that backfield, we don't know what's going to happen with Sonny Michelle. And Cam Newton is going to run the ball a ton and get all of the goal line opportunities. So they're both potentially competing for touches in the backfield, but only one of them is competing with his own quarterback in the goal line situation, Matt. Right, right. I agree with you 100%. I think that's why the Rams backs would be just a better raw projection. Um, do you have, I mean, is there any interest in the kicker or the uh, defense here for the Rams? My assumption is you're going to have a pretty similar opinion that you had with these guys as you did for the uh, Patriots special teams and Nick Folt. Yeah, the kickers thing, it's still the low scoring environment argument. I do prefer the Patriots defense slightly to the Rams. I think the Patriots take more of a run first approach, regardless of game script. Obviously, if the Rams get ahead, they'll be forced to throw the ball more. But just with Cam Newton under center, they're a run first team, and that's going to lead to less turnover opportunities for the Rams defense. But ultimately, low scoring environment, I will have some of both defenses. The dude in chat says, why are you going to put a guy sharing the load with two other players at captain? I guess you weren't listening to anything that was just said. He, he played 63% of the snaps last week. He had 21 carries, 21 carries. Daryl Henderson had three carries and Malcolm Brown had what? Like one or two, two or three had three. So he had 21. They had a combined six. Again, as we said, there is risk in doing so. It's a one game slate, but only 5% captain spot ownership on a guy who also had, let me go back and make sure I'm accurate here. Uh, Cam Newton, or sorry, Cam Akers, nine red zone looks last game, nine. And now over his last four games, he's had 17 opportunities in the red zone, 17. Daryl Henderson has had two, Malcolm Brown has had three. So I think there's 100% an argument to be made there. This is the same argument I made all of last week. The difference now is that it's a one-game slate and Cam Akers is actually going to be on the radar. If it's if it's split and Daryl Henderson gets the, the, the majority of work, well, it's a risk I'm willing to take. And it was a risk last week I'm willing to take. Why not take it again on a single-game slate? So I don't know, Matt. What are your final thoughts here before we build our lineup on the overall direction of this game and how you think it goes? Yeah, I would encourage you if you are asking yourself, why would I play running back in a three-way timeshare? Go back and look at some of the lineups that have won showdown lineups in the past. And I don't think you'll be asking yourself that question anymore. If you play play showdown, you realize that weird things win these builds routinely. And especially if you're trying to get first place equity, at least in a solo ship, you're not going to be able to just play the chalk. It's never going to work and it never really does. As far as the final thoughts on the slate, I think it's pretty straightforward from a low risk perspective. You're probably trying to jam both quarterbacks play Demir Bird to open everything and then fill in the value from there. Likely a Rams receiver, I would guess, either Cup or Woods, and then the rest of your build should come together. From a GPP perspective, I think there's very interesting ways to get contrarian. Like you and I mentioned with the Cam Akers at captain, 
I think there's going to be one chalky construction. And maybe if you even just do a Demir Bird fade or leave some salary on the table, you could find easier ways to get contrarian today. All right. Great stuff. Uh, another comment too in, in chat that, that Daryl Henderson getting injured was the reason that Cam Akers got that work. Well, Cam Akers was already getting opportunities pretty early in that game. So uh, I, I'm not particularly concerned about that. 21 carries is 21 carries and Daryl Henderson came back into the game. So, you know, it is what it is. Look, you guys make your own decision. Like, I'm, the great thing about these shows is you can listen to something and say, I totally disagree with that. And if that's going to be the popular way to go today, then I'm going to go in the entirely opposite direction. That's just good. You don't have to agree with everything. You know, it's probably good that you don't and that you question uh, a lot of the stuff that we talk about. It's more important than just going along blindly with everything for sure. We said it. Sean McVay is, uh, what did you use? Whimsical as the term, Matt? Yeah, whimsical. I- Make sure you fact check that that's a real word. Kyle's been on me. All right, guys, let's build a lineup and head out. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so and hit that thumbs up as well. It's greatly appreciated. And remember, for $1 using the promo code Caruso, you'll get all of our NBA content, everything for the first week of the season and all of the preseason content as well. All right, let's make it happen. We'll do this quick because I got another show coming up in just about 15 minutes, Matt. It's a matchups breakdown with Matt Savoca. And my God, is that going to be a marathon with 13 games to touch on? You kick it off. Who do you want in the captain spot? We doing low risk, high risk? Uh, let's just do one today. We'll do large field tournament. Large field. All right. Let's. So let's take. Uh, how about we go with like a Rams pass catcher? Not too contrarian, but that way we get off Goff and Cam. Let's do. Let's do Robert Woods. Okay, Robert Woods at the captain spot. That's going to cost us 13-8. Fair enough. Uh, at the flex spot, let's see here. I, I guess I have to throw Jared Goff in here, and we'll just make that happen. So I think There's the question, do you want to punt with Bird? Fine with it. I, I don't think 20% is is that absurd. Like, if you wanted to go down below De, uh, Demir Bird in ownership, as other pass catchers, you're looking at like Higby, who is considerably more expensive, and Kill Harry, who is only five percent less ownership and a thousand dollars more expensive. And then you could go down to like a Van Jefferson at one percent at twenty six hundred dollars, which is you know, which is fine. But Bird is just egregiously underpriced, I think, and it's weird that he's only twenty percent. I agree with you. So I'll, I'll go with you there. Again, yeah, we had the conversation. If you want to go different, you could go to Jefferson. Harry's not really going to be that much different in, in salary anyway, though, uh, or in ownership. 8,133 remaining. Um, I guess at this rate, I have to plug Cam in because you get Cam now with Darius Bird. We don't have any rushers or running backs for the or for the Patriots, and Cam Newton's going to, to produce, whether it's with his legs or his arm, even if he doesn't, it likely means this team didn't score. So give me Cam Newton. We have 6,900 remaining. Let's put, let's make this a, some sort of build that's favoring the Rams side. So assuming the Rams are ahead and they've used Robert Woods a lot in this game, I think we could use Cam Akers as our clock killer, grinding the clock, getting a lot of carries and positive game script. I'm with it. Uh, and then close it out with, let's see, we have $5,600 remaining. Ooh, it's Josh a Reynolds is still. What's that? It's a beautiful spot. Yeah, it is. It is a good spot. 
I'm I'm tempted to go with a kicker here. You could, man, you could go Reynolds, you could go Higby, you could go kicker defense, you could get contrarian, leave some salary on the table and play Van Jefferson or Everett. Like, there's so many options in this so range. So, the, the, if we go Reynolds here, that lineup is going to be very popular. I already know that. Like, yes. Nobody likes to, to give up salary. Reynolds is going to be the popular option here. I'm pretty confident in that. So, I'd say we go with, you could go defense, you could go... I, you know, the great thing is it doesn't really matter. This guy gives you a good idea of, of what it looks like. Let's go Van Jefferson, 2,600, leaving 3,200 on the table. So there, now you have Demir Bird. You still went different. And that's the great thing. You can have a ch- you can have chalk and still be different elsewhere. Uh, is this sketchy, a sketchy lineup? Yes. But before you say anything, the, the lineups that win in these contests are, generally speaking, bizarre. Uh the guy that won the two-game showdown slate the other day, Solo Million, had six Buffalo Bills in his lineup, Matt. Six Bills on a two-game slate, not even a one-game slate. Six Buffalo Bills. Couldn't do it on a one-game slate. So something like this is going to prevent, present a lot of unique opt- – this is unique here, and I don't think a lot of people are going to have something like this with 3,200 remaining and acres in both Van Jefferson, two sketchy options in the lineup. Dude, I don't even know if it's that sketchy. Like, we have both quarterbacks. We have Demir Bird, who's, I think, going to be a heavily owned punt play, a full-time player at 800. You have a clear stack with Woods to Goff. And then I think the sketchy stuff, like Akers, it's been trending in his direction. And Van Jefferson, he's the real dart throw on the lineup. And 32 on the table, I don't think he'll be duped. I like the lineup a lot. I might actually run this, man. Not terrible. It's no. not terrible. I like it a I lot. I can appreciate it. You got Goff with the correlation and Woods, Jefferson, and then Akers, who hopefully gets the bulk of the work. Cam Newton hopefully does most of it on his own, and when he throws, it goes to Demir Bird. It makes sense to me. And again, you could change, you could swap out Jefferson for for Folk or for a defense. There's anything you want to do here, so I'm loving it. Thanks, guys, for hanging out. We'll be back with you on Monday for a strategy show. Um, I think, we, and then depending on COVID, maybe we'll be here Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday as well. But stick around up in less than, uh, or in 10 minutes, Matt Savoka and myself. It's the week 14 matchups breakdown. It's a big slate. We're going to tell you everything you need to know heading into Sunday. Thanks for hanging out. Hit that thumbs up before you go. We'll see you back here soon. <laughs>